podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening. Stage one is complete. Started in London, walked to Birmingham, completed it, mate. So, we're knackered. This is, what, four or five days later. We're still knackered. Yeah, we've watched some brilliantly entertaining cricket. More of that later. But first, we're going to talk to you about said walk. Now, we started with some challenges, which you'll have heard about in the short one that we, uh, well, when we recorded on the walk last week, including the M1 closures and this and the other. But the first thing that needs talking about is the sodding weather. While you lot were all basking, sunbathing in your bikinis and swim shorts in your garden, pretending to be working on your laptop under a tree, we were trudging 120 miles between London and Birmingham. So I hope you enjoyed it, because for us, it was sheer hell, wasn't it, Simon? It was hot, yeah. It was hot. Yeah, hot. Hot that first day, 11.30 kickoff. Just a lovely kickoff, to be fair. Just wished, I mean, I'd have paid, I'd have probably paid the Tavs lad some overtime to get there at maybe eight. <laughs> they gave us a delightful guard of honour, which I'm sure people might, may or may not have seen on their socials and stuff like that. So, but it was lovely. I mean, watching Eugene get struck by a door was, well, we, we didn't actually see it at the time because we yeah. were in front of him, but I didn't see it. We, you can tell <laughs> no, that from the video. <laughs> but, but no, it was that, that first day was, was challenging. Like I say, that late, Late start, right in the middle of the the heat, to be then Strava and Google Maps trying to absolutely do us in didn't help either. What we thought was going to be a 24, 25 mile day turned into a 28 mile day. And that theme seemed to continue throughout the week with them. Yes. <laughs> I think I think the average length of walk was something before the last day, because obviously we did six miles on the last day. Was something like twenty-seven and a half miles. Yeah, which brutal. I'm pretty sure when we started having conversations about this, there was a certain person that was helping it out that said that would kill us. Which I mean, some people might call it a miracle. Some people might. I mean, it basically did kill two of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, there there was some minor preparation issues. I feel on on some for some people, and uh, but we did it as a group. We did it, and that's the main thing. We we did we did the 120 miles, and we all walked into Edgebaston. Sorry, we all walked up to Edgebaston together. And yeah, very good, very good. I, I kind of hobbled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by that point, it about probably yards walk was literally just the fact that we were moving on our feet. Yes, yeah, yes. But but no, um, looking forward to stage two, doing the exact same journey in reverse. Should be there now, though, shouldn't it? Is that what not what happens? Like, I tell you what, walking down Mount Kilimanjaro is going to be. I such can't a wait for you to roll down Highgate Hill, dude. I'm genuinely excited. <laughs> I think you could stop traffic. If not, you'll when we, be uh, one of them old graves in the cemetery. <laughs> I was, was going to say, when we, when we were walking up that hill past Highgate Cemetery, I thought Eugene was just going to climb the wall and lie down. <laughs> just say, just forget save, about me. Lads. Save Don't a job. Me. Save a job. Don't need a service. It's all right. I'm, I'm getting in here. Now, Eugene, before we come back, Sam's like glossed over something that I know you and I want to talk about and, and kind yeah. of big him up for. But just kind of on the weather, it was difficult because it was so hot. It was drawing all of our salts out, but we couldn't physically take on water at the same rate that it was leaving our body. It was incredibly difficult, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was 
probably the hottest week that we chose to walk in, which is, which is nice from a, a walking perspective. We just chose the wrong day, time of day to walk, mm. you know, setting off and walking in mid afternoon when it's the hottest peak time and you're consuming two liters of water and not having a pee, guess where that water's going? It's literally, I mean, I went through about three of those Woodstock caps in, in one of those walks, just to the amount of pers perspiration that was coming out of my, my round pip. Imagine I had head, would have been wet. <laughs> I thought one of those had been sacrificed yeah. in a bush somewhere huge for somewhere else, but we'll stick with the sweat. <laughs> yeah, no, that's my Under Armour hat on the seventh tee at the Castle Course at St. Andrews <laughs> from all those years. <laughs> but that, that's a, that is a well-told story, told many times. So, so yeah, so it was, so just, just to, just to come back to something, because look, we want to be completely transparent and we want to be completely honest. Always wear two pairs of socks when walking long distances. That is something that I didn't know. And having walked, what, 28 miles was it on day one? I woke up, well, I literally fell over when we got to, when we got to Red Bull Red Cricket Bull. Club. All of which, all the cricket, the three cricket clubs at which we stayed, by the way, were phenomenal hosts. Absolutely wonderful. That's Redbourne, Stony Stratford and Napton. Uh, and we can't thank them enough for their support and the cricket family really pulling together on, on our behalf to look after us. But the blisters after day one were in shoe trainers that, when I went to try them on, seemed like they were going to fix. I thought, oh, these will give a little bit that turned out to be too small. I've now had to go and spend 120 quid on some more. But yeah, I were my feet were in absolute pieces to the stage where the second morning I, I well set set off, and it, it was it was just incredibly difficult. So basically, what I'm getting to is Robbo, and you know we don't really like to give each other too much like kudos on this podcast and stuff because we're all mates and we like to take the piss out of each other. But the man is a titan. Robbo is the only one of us that managed to walk all 120 miles. It was it was nuts to watch him, you know. Eugene and I, for you know, did 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 what we could, but for a number of different reasons, like not having a driver and stuff, and having logistical problems, couldn't and and the injuries we we were faced with, couldn't do it all. But Simon, even considering his blisters and stuff, just was an absolute machine. So kudos to you, Mister Roberts. It, it, unbelievable feat of, I think, mental strength as much as anything, and, and really really impressive to watch. Oh, and the and the the rate at which you travel is just obscene quite frankly well, um i had to run to keep up with him <laughs> yeah, you there, as you saw from the instagram yeah. videos <laughs> yeah but but yeah i, I think you know it, difficult i think for me personally difficult because I, I i always wanted to do all of it and then not to be physically able to do all of it i found quite difficult to to kind of deal with and, I, and i've beat myself up a little bit about it mentally but you know when we didn't have a driver it allowed me to drive the support vehicle and stuff and so we were all kind of contributing and what have you but yeah, just the fact that Robert did all of it was just was just phenomenal. Considering the heat and the state of everybody's feet was was, was massive. So yeah, amazing, amazing effort, yeah. Robbo. We're really proud. I think of the it. important thing for people to remember is like we 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 love a team sport, and although it might be an individual, there's individual aspects to it. It's still a team sport, and for me, that's that's what this was about. It's slogging. It walks the ashes. It's not three blokes walk the ashes separately. It's we do it as a group and 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 whatever else and there might be times during this this next leg where i mean if my foot goes the same size as it was this weekend then i, I need to nip to holland and get a set of clogs because i couldn't physically get i couldn't get a pair of sliders on that was how swollen my foot yeah. was this weekend but but yeah so it, it's look i if that's my purple patch for the bit then so be it if, and i know you guys would do the same for me so it's just right we're, we're a group of 
group of mates and we're a team on here and and, and we get a job done by hook or by crook in whatever way we need to do. So anyone that thinks that that somehow diminishes what we're doing or just shut up. Like if you if you would thought it was that easy, everyone would be doing this and the amazing people that have yeah. donated to us so far wouldn't be donating in the way they are. So we knew it was going to be hard. We didn't think it was going to be 33 degrees or 32 degrees odd. <laughs> I mean, my mate Sam, that we posted on when we set off on the last day. And Jono, fair play for you on that last day, actually, or second to last day, for doing the amount you did on there. Because looking, watching you walk, I was, I mean, I thought you'd lost a leg. I didn't, honestly, I, I, thank, thank you. I, I had to battle yeah. incredibly hard to, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Like, and it's, but I think that's the sportsman in all of us, isn't it? It's like when the going gets tough, yeah. like you almost set, and, and Eugene talked about this quite a lot. You set yourself your own little mini targets as an individual and you're just like, right. Okay. And Eugene at that point was obviously because we needed someone to drive the van at all times. And so, because of Eugene's feet, he was in the van at that point and he'd kind of stop every two and a half miles. So I was just like, right, I just need to get to Eugene next time you, I see yeah. Eugene again. I know I've achieved something. And then the next time I see Eugene again, I know I've achieved something. Mm. And it, it was just blisteringly hot all week. Like, and you can't, you know, we've all got these camel packs in our rucksacks and we're just trying to take on as much. To force yourself to take on yeah. the, the amount of liquid that you need to is is just something that I think is completely, well, certainly completely new for me. I I assume kind of new for all of us. So I know you've probably done a bit more, Robbo, but yeah, just, just, and look, we can all be, all be proud of ourselves. Yeah. Like we got to the botanical gardens on Thursday night before the eve of Ash's dinner, which obviously we did a big post about, which was really surreal to be surrounded by so many like legends of the game and the way we were welcomed to be interviewed on Sky Sports News. We've agreed to now pick up the entire route, the entire walk and, and cover it is amazing. But it's just, you know, we've all done things that we can be proud of last week. Mm. You know, we might have wanted to do a bit more. Obviously you did all of it, Simon, but yeah, it just, you know, there are certain there are, there are things from last week I'm disappointed by by not being able to do more, but also then knowing the pain barrier I was going through in order to achieve what I did, I'm actually quite proud about. So, so I'm yeah. really looking forward so, to it starting again on it, Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll tell you what, the second hardest thing I've ever done in my life is walking that. The first hardest thing is asking Kate's dad if I could take her on a date. Oh, I uh, thought you were going to say it was walking past me after I just rerouted your off stump. That doesn't even feature in the uh, top 10. Does it not? Is it 11? Just, I, can't, I can't believe I've somehow managed to shoehorn that I into this one. We've been doing this nearly three years, and it's gone to most episodes, so why shouldn't it get to this? Right, obviously, we're going to come on to the match. Just a few few thank yous we want to do, first of all. Obviously, the Tavs charity we've supported throughout this podcast for forever. They're obviously the, the main charity partner. But the Bob Willis Fund have been amazing for us as well in terms of like a lot of the contacts that they've given us. They they have really the ones that put us on on Sky's radar and and Sky have decided to really kind of pick up what we're doing and run with it, which is which is huge. So to Adam, Lauren, Katie, David, Bob's Willett, Bob's brother, and the, the what team, an the, bloke oh, unbelievable. I mean, I'm still not sure about his opening gambit. I quite like twice it. About I, I reckon I could listen to that a thousand <laughs> times, and I'd still be on the deck laughing. That's my sense. Um, but they're, they're a wonderful group of people. So thank you to those two. Obviously, the the sponsors that we've got for the walk. So Chadwick Teamwear, One Stitch Beyond, and Woodstock. Thank you for your support, and obviously to everybody who's donated so far, which is which is huge. We've had some pretty sizable offline donations, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, everybody who's contributed to the Just Giving page so far has been 
we really do appreciate the support and, and please do keep that coming to, to help us try and get towards our target. You know, hopefully if you can share this with people, share what we're doing, share the Just Giving link. When people hear about it, they seem to like it and appreciate what we're, what we're trying to do and, and it drives people to, to give what they can. We certainly don't want people to overstretch themselves. But if people have got a few spare quid to to offer to you know us for what we're doing for two very special charities, that that is amazing. One of the things for me is that one of the special thing about the the Bob Willis one and, and the tabs, they deal with sort of kids with or the tabs deal with kids with mental and physical disabilities and getting them involved in sport. And but I think one of me one of the reasons I'm really happy that the Bob Willis Fund have got involved is is the, the link to the mental health side of stuff that we've got on the podcast mm. and trying to look and it is a male we are three blokes this i'm not taking anything away from mental health issues that females suffer but there is a massive massive stigma around male health and talking about it and going to get yourself looked at that looked at we're now all of an age when gordon banks is gonna have to don them gloves and and check us out although if if you keep giving money to us that hopefully that won't be the case because they'll find an alternative way of testing so just think if if you're a forty five year old bloke, that five pound you give, you might just have to pee. Otherwise, yeah, Gordon yeah. Banks glove on up the rear one. Yeah, I mean, look. So the the, the video yeah. the videos that we've seen at the events where we've been with the Bob Willis Fund, like the numbers of men that are going to suffer with prostate cancer moving forward. I think it's one in eight, yeah. and, it, and if you're a black man, it's one in four will suffer with prostate cancer. Like, this is the biggest silent killer. Of, of the male population in the UK and arguably the rest of the world. So the numbers are frightening. Yeah. So, you know, even if you can't donate, go and get, a, I think it's a PSA test. You know, Bob Willis died through a misdiagnosis of prostate cancer. And by the time they did catch it, it had then become bone cancer. And that's ultimately what killed him prematurely. So don't be too proud to go and get a test. Go and do it. It's five minutes out of your day and it will give you no end of peace of mind. Yeah. You know, hopefully you get the tests and you're giving the all clear. So we can't suggest enough to people that they go out and do that. If you're probably even 43 to plus, I think it's definitely well worth going and getting that test done. So please do go and do that. We obviously went to that Eva Vash's dinner. So in the room, Tubby Taylor, Ian Ward, Nasser Sane, Michael Atherton, Ricky Ponty, Mel Jones, by the way. Mm. I think she is phenomenal. Yeah, I I think she is one of the best commentators on the planet. Not just you know, forget the fact that she's a, a female commentator. She gives the blokes a run for their money. She is unbelievable, and to listen to her on stage that night as part of the panel, absolutely unbelievable. So we might try and see if we can get Mel to join us on the podcast at some point because I just think she's just a, a wonderful voice of cricket. And, and so if we can make that work, then we absolutely will. On to the match now, Eugene. You're the neutral. Before we start crying into our saucepans and milk, saucepans, saucers of milk, what's the what's the opinion of the uh, the last five days as a as a neutral, please? I think the early declaration was very brave, and England didn't need to do that. But obviously, with the rain forecast of the couple of days that they had, I think Ben made and the England management made the right decision. It probably has to be up there with one of the greatest Test matches so far of this year probably when you look back at it, it'll probably be one of the greatest test matches ever because, you know, going five days, five overs to go, you know, topsy-turvy, you know, England in charge for a bit, Australia in charge for a bit. Winvers was 
you know, all over the place and didn't know what it was doing. I think it was just a phenomenal five days of cricket and it was five days. And I think, you know, Usman Khawaja, I think I heard where one of the stats was he batted on every single one of the five days. Yeah. And congrats to him. And I think I, I'm, I actually didn't even see the end of it because as soon as the match finished, I had some work to do, but was he man of the match? He was, you guys yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 And well deservedly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but I think to end off with a captain's knock from a, a very fine all-rounder in, in Pat Cummins. I mean, those two sixes that he hit off Joe Root and then to guide his team home with Nathan Lyon. And I, I know Rob has got some opinions on Nathan Lyon over the past couple of years as to the man that he's been. So I'm not going to steal his thunder. But yeah, from my perspective, an absolutely phenomenal test match. And if this is the first one, I cannot wait for the next four. I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think that... You know, people talking about the Australians' maybe defensive mindset in terms of the first innings when, you know, trying to stop England scoring boundaries and just the way that Zach Crawley smashes that first ball of the Ashes for four, you know, but not, it's a proper cricket shot as well. And I just, I just think the entire five days has been fantastic. People say Ben's declaration, look, we missed chances. There's probably been two or three drop catches, certainly a missed stumping. Do we talk about Ben Folks versus Johnny Bairstow? Is there a way to get them both into the side? You know, Usman Khawaja, unbelievable, was the difference. Robbo, first question to you. Was the over that Pat Cummins hit, took 16 off Joe Root, is that what absolutely changed the momentum on the in what was a really tight final session on the fifth day? Uh, you can't you can't say when a side needs 48 to win that an over, an over that goes for 16 doesn't make a massive dent in it. I mean, it's a third. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, yeah, hashtag these games. And for me, this is what makes the game so amazing. It was just full of massive moments. And it's a bit like, it's two very slightly different sides, actually. From when I first started watching cricket as an avid watcher and know it kind of understanding what I'm watching, it was always Australia that were looking at scoring at four and a half, four and over when with the likes of Hayden, Langer, Ponting, Gilchrist, uh, those absolute superstars, they were, thinking, right, can we score at four and a half, five runs and over to add time into the game? And then, they, I mean, the fact that they had McGraw and Warm probably gave them a bit of a sniff as well. But And it was always England that were trying to, like, you saw England, Nasser Hussain has quite often spoke about the plans that they had to Murray, which was making bowl 50 overs. He's going to get five wickets, but making bowl 50 overs. And that seemed to be kind of the mindset that Australia are in when facing Broad and I didn't think Anderson was great yeah. this test but let's give him a bit he's, he's been playing for, he's been playing first half cricket since World War 2 so like he's allowed to have an off game but that's just seemed to be the theory like we want we want Broad and Robinson and these guys to be bowling lots and lots of lots of overs I've just had a quick look at some of the stats for example and simple how many overs did teams bat foil in the game, the whole England batted for 144 overs. Australia batted for 208. Yeah. Like, that, they've, they've batted for a third more overs than, or 50%, whatever you want to call it, you know, mass, hashtag mass coming into to its own again. Right. For me, the, the where, I don't like to say this because I had a dip at commentators and stuff previously talking about the negatives, and what I think is Pat Cummins has come out and grabbed that moment by the scruff of its neck. He's hit Joe Roof 16 in that over. He's played a lot of other very good shots. He's got 40-odd not out. When he's, and he's come in when the side needs 70. So he's won that game for them. Against Broad with a new ball, Root when it's spinning, 
taking barrage, stood there taking blows in the ribs because England had set the funky fields that they did. And then Nathan Lyon has hit the shot of the match. Oh, well, I mean, that that is a debate for, that could run on for about 19 podcasts with how many shots have been played in this test. You, you could be going on forever, but he, he's got stuck in, took some blows, rode his luck a little bit with some short balls that top-hedged into gaps and stuff. But for me, if you, were, I'd like to say Australia won it. They played yeah. in the key moments on that final day. They won those key moments, whether that be the 16, whether that be Lyon getting stuck in, whether that be Cummins taking the blows rather than getting his gloves near it. They won those key moments. For me, England have created, I had a look earlier, something like 28 chances in this game. And this isn't a dig at any one individual. Like England have created 28 chances. And if you're playing the way that they want to play, you've got to be taking, you, you can't be only taking 60 or 60% of your chances. And yeah, some of them are one, one of the things, Robbo, sorry to sorry to interject, but I just want to pick up on this because this is something that we, you and I, well, the three of us spoke about a lot during the war, was you, you said on a docile pitch, how you didn't see a way of England taking 20 wickets. You were quite vocal about that, weren't you? And, and I think you've, you've been proven right. So my next question is, on both sides, looking back on that game, on, on what was a bit of a featherbed, is the overlooking of Wood from an England perspective and Stark from an Australian perspective the right call? Yes, it's the right call for Australia. No, it's the wrong call for England, quite simply because Australia won the game and England didn't. So have you picked the right side? Yeah, they have. They've won the game. I think we can go into quite a lot of things and and have a debate on who should or shouldn't have played. I think if you're going to prepare flat... I, I actually thought England bowled really well. I really do. The, uh, Broad, Anderson and Robinson. Robinson bowled ridiculously well. I don't care what anyone says. Ben Stokes is not fit. You saw that with how he bowled today. You compare that to everything else. And as soon as Moe and Ali then can't bowl... What happened to him? He's... He's had it before. This is the thing that I, I find astounding. When you actually read into the backstory of Moe and Ali and Test Cricket, and one of the reasons he, he had problems is because he used to tear the skin on his on his right index finger, and it blisters and it goes horrible, and so he can't actually spin the ball. And he used to get that when he was playing full-time. So now he's playing only bowling four overs every day and hour, or every two days, whatever it is. He's gone back to now using a brand, well, pretty new red duke ball, and his fingers just split. He mm. actually got fined twenty five percent of his match fee because he sprayed, but they a plaster spray on it because he knew if he. How did they know that? They they watched they video it. it. was he did it on the boundary. They? Oh, because I mean everyone's aware if you're gonna if you're a spinner or you for any type of bowler if you're gonna do anything to your bowling end you've got to check with the umpires and go I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on here. And ninety nine times out of a hundred nine hundred ninety nine times thousand the, the umpires are gonna go. No, you're not. You know, yeah. So he's obviously done that, knowing for a fact he's going to get fined. But I, I feel, I feel with the cricket, I am never, ever, ever going to. If England don't declare on that first day, there is no game of cricket. If yeah. England get five hundred, that game's done. Like as a as an entity, as an event, as everything. So for me, if you like cricket, you can't criticize that. That's it. What what do people want? Just to play for draws. Like, is that genuinely what people want? Unentertaining, dual cricket. And I've seen people come out saying the, the, the declaration is naive. Shut up. That the reason there has been that game of cricket is because England declared. Yeah. And so I'm not going to sit here and criticize Ben Stokes. The reason that we ended up getting 18 wickets in the test matches 
is arguably because of some of his captaincy. I think, yeah, I, I just think you can't you can't create twenty eight chances and not and and shell ten of them. And and yeah, three or four of them are odd. I'm not saying like two of them I'm included in that. The the ones like back at Joe Root today where Carey's come down and smashed it in. But you say it's odd. He's caught the one he caught. Ben Stokes nearly caught an absolute world it backwards well, square leg. Yeah. So I'm including that in it, which. I mean, to be fair, if it's anyone, probably bar Ravi Chadeja in world cricket or Ben Stokes, they ain't getting near it. So I feel a bit harsh on on the guys there. But the, the thing for me is I think the, in, there'll be something in the England bowlers that sits there and goes, we've done our bit there. Yeah. We, we've, done, we've done enough to win that game. I think there was some fundamental flaws in the planning, but if you want me to go into that, I can do. But when a guy averages 27 when you bowl over the wicket and 68 when you bowl around the wicket and everyone bowls around the wicket at him and he gets then gets 150 and 70, 70 and you yeah. sit in there going, oh, well played well. I mean, this England side pride themselves on being doing what the batter least expects and least wants them to do. Well, I thought you've only got to look at one yeah. stat and go, oh, we'll perhaps bowl over the wicket there. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I could be that to punditty type of person that I don't want to be. So, well played Australia. I think they've done really well. I think Ollie Robinson made some comments, and and I think um, what about Australia having three number elevens? Yeah, well, it, that, that came back well. One of them, one, one of them scored twice as many runs as he did in the test. So, but I, I don't mind that from Ollie Robinson. I don't like it's that's the nature of it, isn't it? We've got three. It was three or three different guys on the cricket field. Some people on days we might say something. On days we might not. I've never been one that says something. I know Jono normally does, but and and hey. you, you know that it can come back and buy you on the arse, and that for me was one of the reasons why I never said anything, especially when you're in the biggest yeah. cities of your life and you decide in a tight game. Where you, I just thought it was brave, and England's cricket, to be fair, everyone in that thing was brave. I'll give them that. Joe Root playing them reverse laps, first ball off Pat Cummins, and I almost fell off my, I, I almost fell off my comfy padded hospitality seat yesterday when I saw that. That's like nothing you've ever witnessed. I was like, what, what is going on here? I was like, because we were talking about it. I was actually sat with the chief executive of Cricket Australia, Nick. And I said, we were talking before the game. Sorry, I'll just pick that one up. And uh, we, we were talking about, you know, England going to set up the declaration here? Are they going to try and... And we, we hadn't quite figured it out. And then we looked at each other after that had happened and we thought, right, okay, I think we know where this is headed. But Joe Root, you know, adding just adding to his game. It's brilliant. It's brilliant to see, isn't it? I agree with you about the the declaration. I think it was brave. I think that's what actually caused the game to turn out to be such a, a brilliant game. Like you say, they go and get five fifty. It's probably it's then a dull game, isn't it? And I, I think, think what, you know, the... I, I generally, if that game wasn't heading the way it was, I'm pretty adamant that everyone had gone when it started pissing down this morning. The umpires have gone, nah, nah, yeah, this is done for the day. Yeah, maybe. That's wrong. They, yeah. That's wrong. I think that, but I, I genuinely believe that that's they'd have gone about it. But they, you know, the one of the things that the England camp are talking about all the time at the minute is entertainment. That's that's what they. What's one of the kind of big buzzwords at the minute around the England camp is ent- entertainment. So, and that you know, no one can have a dip at them because they are staying true to the word of what they've said they're going to do. You know, obviously, as Ben Stokes said in his post-match interview, losing hurts, but equally, you know. If if we've got another four games of the Ashes to look forward to, if they all end up being a bit similar to that one, what a series we're in for. Well, and, and to be fair, this England side, will, I believe, will win more of those than they'll lose. Yeah, I think I with, with people like Ben Stokes and Stuart Broad and, and Joe Root, 
in terms from a batting point of view and you look at Johnny Bairstow from a batting point you look at what he did against New Zealand in the tough last year they've got big time players I think yeah. I think they need to work on the balance of the side because I don't think it works at the minute but I'm sure we'll well Crawley's probably Crawley's probably set now isn't he had a decent game with the bat I, I don't know I, you know, I don't know how they'll do it I, I think well they've named the squad for the first two haven't they and yeah so I think there'll probably only be one change in the England setup because again it's down at Lords and it doesn't really spin. So do we need a spinner that can't bowl all day day or do we go for a jacks or do we decide if Stokes isn't fully fit, pick another seamer? I know what I'd do. Especially because it's at Lords. Probably probably another seamer and let Root bowl you spinning yeah. spin over. Isn't um, it? And I think that that extra the extra pace that Ward or whatever would bring. It, it mm. also means that if Ben Stokes is semi-fit, you can use him or Wood in how you want to use them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then again, at the same time, I suppose they've got a bit of a rest, so you'd like to think that the, the, the seamers would be able to go two games in a row, and Jimmy Anderson loves it at Lords. Needs overs, though, doesn't he? It looks short. It look, uh, looks short. Uh, just short of rhythm, I'd say, more than anything. Like I, I don't, you know, We know how good he is. There's no question about that. I just He just looked a bit short of rhythm, a bit short of cricket. I, I, yeah, I think that's something that I just don't think he was quite at it. And it can happen. Yeah. That happens in games. Fortunately with him, it doesn't tend to happen very often. Yeah. So, very often. Um, yeah. I agree. And you saw that by the fact he didn't bowl today. So, yeah. Well, look, that is it. The first stage of the walk complete. The first game of the Ashes complete. Congratulations to Australia in taking a 1 0 lead. Looks like it'll only be 4 1 England now rather than a 5 0 dropping. <laughs> No, I'm joking. I really don't know which way to call it. I have been saying that right from the the word go. I think the two contrasting styles of play. Obviously, Australia have come out just on the right side of it this time, but in a in a just a, a brilliant game of cricket to watch as a fan. People hiding behind sofas, behind cushions towards the end of today. But that's that games like that are the best advert for Test cricket. Oh, right. and you're not going to replicate that in every Test that happens all over the world. But I think. These two sides playing each other at this moment in time with the way that they go about their cricket is really putting it, it it's it's just it's gonna create this energy that I think is gonna to lead to a brilliant summer of the very, very watchable, entertaining test cricket. Can I put a bet on that one side will get bowled out for less than eighty? Oh I think one side will get bowled out for less than eighty in this and I don't know who it'll be, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Because I think both of these bowling attacks have got the capability in the right conditions to run through. Do you not, you think it's more likely to be England though, if they're going to go hard? Because I, I think know. Australia are a little bit more defensively minded, aren't they? I, I don't know. And the reason I don't know that is because I've been mean, looked at the field settings and stuff that Australia set on that first day. England can just go 1 1 yeah, 1 1 you, 1 1. If you're yeah. taking your grabbers out and stuff, then that's, that's, we've seen obviously Cummins is a big bold and LBW merchant with that ball that nips back. But you look at both. Boland. Boland. That's my nephew's name. Uh, if you look at Boland and Hazelwood, they've always they're like nickel and mm. that type of thing. I think if Stark comes back in that for me, and if he's him for me is the one the one guy that if I was England I'd be going, if he gets on song, he could absolutely blow us away. Just destroy us. Um, yeah. yeah. But then again, so could so could Mark Wood. So could you we've seen Broad get eight fifteen in games before on yeah, yeah. sorry, different page, yeah. but like these bowling attacks, most bowlers in them have got a spell and have got a stint mm. that that will change games. And we've seen we can we've now seen from this game on a pretty placid pitch we can get 
Labuschagne and Smith out. Yeah. And that, for me, like I said before, that that was where I thought England would struggle. And mm. for for once, did anyone notice this? Did, did, like, there's been history of people saying they created new balls, especially for test series. One guy has actually said he's developed something and used it. Broad, yeah. <laughs> he said, I've worked on the outswing. And then he's nicked yeah. off Labuschagne twice. Labuschagne for a drop. Yeah. So that that was that was quite nice to see. Decent. Um yeah. But no, I'm just excited by the cricket. I think it you see Dale Stain on Twitter. No. He 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 came out and said, I love T twenty and one day cricket, but I'm letting my kids stay up to watch this. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Which which is obviously yeah. a very dad thing to say. It's a very parent yeah, yeah, thing yeah. to say. But it's interesting when you when it's capturing people around the world, and obviously by people is cricket people, but but yeah, it's, I, I think it could be a very, very, very good test. I just hope the pitches, I, I'll be honest, I hope the pitches get a little bit better. Better, yeah. yeah. Final thing then, well, two two numbers and a, and a name. Three words, Eugene, serious prediction. Three, one, Australia. Simon. Three, two, to one of the teams wearing white. I don't think there'll be a draw. I'm going to say three, two. England, just while Simon tries to peel himself down off that fence. <laughs> my head says one <laughs> thing, most... my heart says another. So I, I think yeah, it'll be 3-2, the, the, the most... but my head that says... That is so three. non-committal from you. That is so yeah, non-committal. Score, so, right, we shall leave it there because Eugene's got to edit to this tonight. <laughs> so he's in for a late one while Simon and I can go to bed. But thank you as always. Thanks for your support. Please keep telling your friends about it. Follow us at Pod across twitter and instagram and obviously there's our facebook page as well where we'll be sharing all of the videos from walks etc etc well done again to simon roberts for being an absolute titan on the first stage of the walk well done to eugene for being the nicest south african to ever walk the earth and uh, well done to me for i'm sure i've done something all right breathing. this week anyway breathing yes thank you, thank you. if that's the best if that's if, if that's the best Mate, i if offer you, if you've I've stopped, got, I've got a lot of work to do Yes. Yeah, lots of love. And uh, yeah, we will report back to you as from Saturday on the next stage of the walk. Will do. The top Sports Social Podcast Network.